My name is Pastor Jonathan. I'm the Family Life Pastor. And if you're here in the house or you're joining us online, we are delighted that you have joined us. Now tonight we're wrapping up a series entitled Lower the Volume. Lower the Volume. We live in a culture that is full of divisive and conflict and commentary. We see it on social media. We see it on the news. And some of us are tempted to step into the fray and make commentary. But the Lord is inviting us as people of faith to lower the volume. To lower the volume. And tonight I want to focus on one important aspect that will empower us to lower the volume in our experience. And that's by focusing on our attitude. Because in life, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. How many of you have ever been excited to go to a restaurant and you sit down and right when you sit down, your server walks up and you realize that they have a bad attitude. And they're not happy to see you and they're not happy to be there. How many of you have ever discovered that people honk with a bad attitude? They don't give you the courtesy honk, just a little beep beep. They give you the extended honk with their elbow and then they wave their hands and then they make gestures and you all of a sudden realize they're not saying hello and they're not waving at you. And to the parents, how many of you discovered that your kids often have a bad attitude? I discovered this recently. My daughter, she's precious. I love her. She's six years old. But guess what? She gets hangry. She gets irritated. And, I, and in the midst of a bawling moment, I realized, hey, guess what? She needs something to eat. So I asked her, Alexis, are you hungry? She said, yes, I'm hungry. So I gave her some food and she got better. And I was tempted, I have to tell you, I was tempted to give her a Snickers bar, but I decided I'm not going to do that because if I do that, then she won't eat her dinner. In life, attitude is everything. And the challenges we see in our culture are not just relegated or confined to this present time. Attitude has been a challenge for us since the beginning of humanity. And in fact, there was a very wise king in the Old Testament by the name of King Solomon. And the Bible records that he was the wisest man who ever lived. And part of his job as king was to preside over challenges and situations in his kingdom. And one of the things that he did is he actually solved interpersonal issues between people. We see that in various other places in scripture. And he felt that attitude was such an important part of how we do life that he actually wrote about it. And so I want to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, we're going to spend the bulk of our time in this passage of Scripture, I want to invite you to turn there with me. And if you happen to have your Westover app, I want to invite you to go ahead and open your Westover app. We have provided notes there for your convenience. So let's go ahead and start with verse number one. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And what the writer of Proverbs is telling us is that there are two contrasting perspectives and two contrasting experiences. We see a worldly reaction 
which is marked by harsh, foolish, and perverse words. But we also see a godly response, which is marked by gentle, wise, and soothing words. Now, the worldly reaction produces an unhealthy experience, which is marked by anger, folly, and words that crush others. But the godly response produces a healthy experience that is marked by a reduction in anger. It provides life and it speaks life. Now this past weekend, Pastor Jim introduced a framework for us that was very helpful for us to understand how our thoughts influence our feelings, influence our actions, and influence how we experience life. And whichever word we fill in the blank actually is the answer for every other blank. But I've added a tweak to it. And it's the word attitude. And it's the word attitude. And I I wanted to spend a little time here with this framework because some of us have a misconception. We believe that our attitude is a feeling. And that's not the case. An attitude is actually, it is not a feeling we experience, but it is an outlook that we choose. Our attitude is not a feeling we experience, but an outlook that we choose. It is a way we view the world, the way we view situations, the way we view experiences in our life. And our outlook determines our feelings, it determines our actions, and it determines our experience. Attitude is everything. And in life, everything depends on whether we choose a good attitude or a bad attitude. Now, I want to offer you three insights to get and to keep a good attitude. The first insight is we need to understand that attitude will make you or break you. Verse 13 says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Now, once again, we see the writer of Proverbs contrast a good and a bad attitude. A good attitude, it it lifts one's spirit, it increases knowledge, and it leads to fruitfulness. But a bad attitude, it actually crushes the spirit, it increases folly, and it leads to a hard life. Now, I am an avid football fan. I watch college football, and I very much enjoy watching the, the sport of football. And I've discovered that in sports, attitude, attitude will either make you or break you. I have seen teams who are far behind in their points, but they have a courageous and determined attitude come from behind and win. I've also seen teams where there's one player on the team who loses their cool, loses their attitude, and they make a foul or they make a mistake And they lose the game for their team. I've also discovered that in our workplace experience, our attitude can either determine whether we are promoted or whether we are demoted. How we interact with the people in our workplace will often determine whether we achieve a promotion or a demotion. I've also discovered in marriage that attitude will either make you or break you. You can either experience a honeymoon or a heartache experience depending on our attitude. So, since a good attitude makes a better life, we must choose to intentionally 
make a better attitude. The second key insight to getting and keeping a good attitude is to improve your attitude. Improve your attitude. Verse 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fatted calf with hatred. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient is calm. Some of us have a hard time improving our attitude because we focus on what we can't control. Our coworker, our boss, the weather. We're attempting to control things that are outside of our control. And we get frustrated because we're not making progress. But if we're willing to focus on what we do have control over, our experience, our actions, our feelings, we can actually improve those things if we're willing to improve our attitude. Because when we can't change what's around us, we can change what is within us. When we can't change the circumstance or the situation that we're living in, we can most definitely change our internal experience. So let me share with you two practical ways that we can improve our attitude. Number one, be content with what God has given you. Be content with what God has given you. Verse 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables than lo- with love than a fatted calf with hatred. And some of us, we have embraced an unhealthy perspective. We have believed that money, fame, and success will give us long-term happiness. We have relied on what is external to us to give us satisfaction and peace within us, but that's not how it works. And what the Lord wants us to do is he wants us to be content with what he has entrusted to us. When we pursue the world, we actually experience hatred and turmoil. But when we're willing to experience the Lord and do things his way, we actually experience love and peace. Now, as some of you know, I spent many years as a counselor. And I very much enjoyed the work that I did. And probably some of my most fruitful and favorite work was working with couples. Now, there was a handful of couples that really struggled in their relationship. And what we would do is we would resource them appropriately. We would send them to workshops. We would send them to interventions. But a good number of couples who would come, the truth is is that 75% of their marriage was going great. But 25% of their relationship needed some work. And I often wondered why they would come in and say, I'm done. I want to get a divorce. When 75% of their marriage was going wonderful, I couldn't figure it out. And then one time I realized, here's what it is. It lies in our attitude. What they were deciding in their heart is, I don't want this relationship anymore. And I will tell you this, couples, if you find yourself on the brink, hold on to your marriage. Hold on to your marriage. And if we're willing to align our attitude with God's pattern for life, what we will discover is that our attitude will actually improve the marriage. Some of the challenges that you may be experiencing in your marriage will be resolved if 
One or both of you are willing to improve your attitude. Now, the second key way that we can improve our attitude is to be patient and relax. To be patient and relax. Verse 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms the quarrel. Some of us, at the drop of a hat, get irritated. We have a coworker. You know the coworker. That coworker that comes by your cubicle and it just irritates you. Can I suggest to you, you control that. The attitude is within you. You decide how that goes. Some of us, we get irritated and angry and frustrated with our spouse or with our kids. Our kids come up to ask for help for homework and we're frustrated. We send them away. God wants to do a work in our experience. Now, this is a challenge that actually exists in the Musset household. I have an eight-year-old son named Aiden and a six-year-old daughter named Alexis. And the fact is, is that they are very different. <laughs> they are polar opposites from one another. My son is your typical type A firstborn son. Okay? He wants to be first at everything. And all of those of you who are firstborns, you're saying inside, yes, we are. We are type A and we're proud of it and everybody should be like us. But he wants to be first at everything. He wants to be first in line. He wants to get first place. He runs everywhere. He wants to be the first to get to kids' church. He wants to be the first to run to the car. He wants to be the first to get in the house. But my daughter, my daughter moves quick for no one. She has two speeds in life. Slow and slower. And every moment, there, every morning, there's this battle in the Musset household because we wake Alexis up and she's a happy child. She is a delight. We love her dearly, but she moves slow. And so what she'll do is she'll come down the stairs and she'll do her little princess stroll. And then she'll begin to eat her breakfast and she's one of these kids that chews every bite and savors the bite. And then what we do is we, we say, Alexis, we've got to get ready. So we'll send her upstairs to get ready. And she'll go upstairs and she'll brush her hair. And then she'll look in the mirror. And she'll check her smile 12 times. And then we're, we tell her, Alexis, we've got to get going. And so what she'll do is she'll put on her shoes one at a time and tie the bow and make sure that the loops are identical. And I will tell you this. That grinds my son's gears. That just grinds his gears because he's not wired that way. He wants to be there. He wants to be out the door. And he's constantly telling her, Alexis, hurry up. And he gets frustrated and he gets red in the face and he gets irritated and he gets agitated. And what ends up happening is he yells at her and then she yells at him. And then there's this fight that's happening, this conflict, and there's this friction. Now I'll tell you this. We are working with Alexis to encourage urgency in her life. We're working on that. Pray for us, please. <laughs> but with Aiden, we're having to tell him to, to just be patient and relax. Just calm down. Take it easy. Don't lose your salvation, son. You can do this. I, I'll just tell you this. I honestly think someday, someday, Aiden is going to thank my daughter. 
Because she's actually preparing him for marriage. (laughs) Because as all the husbands know, we spend a portion of our life waiting on a woman. It just so happens that this woman my son is waiting on is a six-year-old little girl. She's preparing him for marriage. But there's something that my son does periodically that makes a significant difference. There's sometimes when he stays agitated, but there's sometimes he, he, he makes a decision. This is what he does. He'll stand, he'll close his eyes, he'll take a couple deep breaths, and then he'll say, relax, relax, relax. And some of us, I think we need to be like my son. We need to say, relax, relax, relax. And that's what the writer of Proverbs is encouraging us. He's telling us to be patient and relax. And if there's one big idea I want you to leave with today, it's this. If we're willing to improve our attitude, it will change our life. If we're willing to improve our attitude, it will change our life. It'll change how we think. It'll change how we feel. It'll change how we act. It will change our experience in our, in our own life. It'll change how we interact with other people. And guess what? It'll change all of who we are if we're willing to improve our attitude. The third and final insight to getting and keeping a good attitude is to realize a good attitude can improve anything. A good attitude can improve anything. Now, some of you are in here and you've experienced significant challenges recently. You're you're, you're experiencing challenges at work or at home or in your parenting or with an extended family member. But a good attitude can improve anything. It may not improve your situation, but it'll improve you. Because when we can't change what is around us, we can change what is within us. Now, verse 1 has a very key insight for us, and I want to read it for you. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, some of you are here today, and you say, Pastor, I get it. I have, I have realized that my attitude will make me or break me. I realize that I need to improve my attitude, but I've already tried that. And guess what? It hasn't worked. It works for a little while, and then I go back to old patterns. Well, I want you to know that there's hope tonight. There is hope tonight, and it lies in this verse. And to help us understand this a little bit more, I have one question for you. Have you ever been turned away? Have you ever been turned away? Have you ever driven down a street and halfway down the street you realize that there's a construction crew and the construction crew turns you away? Have you ever been to a Spurs game and you're in the nosebleed section, the level three, (laughs) and you scroll through your social media and you realize that there's a friend and they're much further down and after you get over the jealousy of the fact that they're closer to the game, You connect with them, you send them a text message and you say, hey, can we visit? And they invite you down. And so you you walk down with great expectation that you're going to get to visit with your friend and then the event staff turns you away. Have you ever been in an airplane where you're flying coach 
and you see the first class area and they close that little curtain. And if you're anything like me, I did this one time. I went to peek around the the curtain because I wanted to see what's going on in first class. And guess what? The stewardess turned me away. Well, here's the key insight. When we embrace a good and godly attitude, it turns away unhealthy and toxic attitudes in our life. In effect, what it says is there's no room in this seat for a negative attitude. When we embrace a good and godly attitude, there's no space for a negative attitude to live in our heart. Some of us, some of us are struggling. Some of us are struggling. And and I want you to know that the writer of Proverbs picked this word wrath intentionally. This word wrath doesn't mean you're run-of-the-mill, angry, irritated, or frustrated. It actually means poison or venom. Poison or venom. And what a good and godly attitude does is it turns away the toxic and the negative attitudes in our life. And some of us are struggling. We're trying to figure out a way to get over a negative attitude. But what God is saying, if you're willing to embrace a good and godly attitude, I'll do it for you. And as we close, I want to invite you to stand. I want you to stand with me. Some of us, tonight the Lord has been whispering to our heart. And he's been identifying an attitude in our heart. He's identifying an attitude in our heart. And he wants us to transform it. He wants us to to change it out and get a good and godly attitude. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and stand and make a decision to embrace a good and godly attitude. Now, some of us, we are here and we've been the victim of a toxic, poisonous, unhealthy attitude. Someone has imposed their attitude on us and we've been wounded in our hearts. Some of us are here and we grew up in a household where somebody told us, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never achieve anything. You're not smart. And some of us are here and we're wounded because somebody told us, I don't love you anymore. And no one will ever love you anymore. And the Lord is saying, are you willing to hold on to a good and godly attitude? The attitude that I can entrust to you. I will empower you to turn away a negative, a toxic, an unhealthy attitude. And to the young adults, I'm a millennial just like you. Some of us, We spend a lot of time on social media and we see a lot of messages and we see a lot of commentary and we see a lot in the news and there's this temptation, this struggle that we have in our heart because we want to comment. We want to to share our opinion and our thoughts. I want you to know that social media is not a great place to have healthy dialogue. But the Lord is challenging some of us in our interpersonal relationships, in a one-on-one conversation to say to someone that we very much love, guess what? That conversation is below and beneath both of us. 
Some of us, we need to say that to people in our life. And if you find yourself being challenged in your own spirit to change your attitude, or you need God to heal you because you've been a victim of a negative attitude, or maybe you've been a silent bystander with regards to negative attitudes around you, I want you to come. We're going to commit tonight and say to the Lord, I want you to come. We're going to commit tonight and take a stand. God honors us when we take a stand for righteousness. God honors us when we step forward and we say, God, I choose today to embrace a good and godly attitude. And for those of you who are down here, I want your eyes for just a moment. I want you to know that God honors God honors our willingness to take a step towards him. He always beats us. And sometimes some of us are looking for a breakthrough in our attitude, in our experience. And what God is saying is, if you're willing to take a step toward me, I will meet you where you're at. God sees your courage. And he is so proud of you. And I want to pray for you that God would empower all of us to improve our attitude because if we're willing to improve our attitude, it will change our life. So I invite all of us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. Let's go to the Lord. Father in heaven, we come to you. You see your people who are standing here and those who are standing in in their own homes via the web. God, you honor, you honor our decision. When we take a step towards you, you take a step towards us. And tonight we are drawing a line in the sand saying, we will be people, we will be uncommon people. We will be people who are willing to embrace a good and godly attitude. We choose a good and godly attitude in our experience. And God, we're believing that when we do that, you will turn away the negative and the toxic and the unhealthy attitudes that some of us have embraced in our own experience. You've challenged some of us to let go of attitudes that don't advance relationships, that don't advance our workplace. And Father, there are some people standing here who have been wounded by a toxic, venomous, unhealthy attitude. And I pray, Lord, that you would provide your comfort that you would supernaturally give them a new attitude, transform their experience. And for those of us who have stood too long silently on the sidelines, empower us to be gracious, but also to be bold and be willing to say in our conversations with people, that conversation is below us. Let's talk about things that honor God. God, you've seen the courage of the people who are standing here. Holy Spirit, I pray that your spirit would flow into them and that you would empower them, that you would give them courage and that you would give them peace and that you would give them joy and that you would give them an attitude that comes from you supernaturally impact them in their heart tonight. We believe that God, if we're willing to improve our attitude, it will change our life. We're here to declare that. In the mighty name of Jesus, and all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. We are so glad that you came. We are dismissed.